The Atlanta Braves offense explodes with five home runs in the first two innings of their Tuesday win over the Minnesota Twins, continuing a historic pace for home runs in the 2023 season. We'll talk all about that on today's episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jacob Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you check out my written work over at bravestoday.com. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at lockdown underscore braves. Send in any questions, comments that you may have for the podcast. Always enjoy hearing from you, the listener. Thanks so much. For when you let me know on the YouTubes, if you are an everyday, or I appreciate hearing from each and every one of you. And thanks so much for being an everydayer of the Lockdown Braves podcast, where we post episodes five days a week, Monday through Friday. So I do appreciate everything that you do to help support this podcast. On today's episode, we are going to talk about Tuesday's game, the offensive explosion early in that one, and Bryce Elder's start. I think this was a bit of an underrated part of this game, so I want to dive into that. And then on our stat of the day, a Wednesday, going to discuss the home run pace that the Braves are on right now because it is truly historic what they're doing up and down the order. And then we'll set you up for a Wednesday afternoon's game. Going to be an early one, and it will not be. Michael Soroka coming back up. It'll be Colby Allard. So we'll discuss that decision later in the podcast. Probably going to be a lot of roster moves on Wednesday morning as well. Well, let's start with Tuesday's game. Uh, or sorry, before we do that, make sure you download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On MLB for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's a Game Time. Go download the Game Time app today. Do yourself a favor. On Tuesday, Braves did did themselves plenty of favors by hitting five home runs in the first 10 batters of the game. Four runs in the first, two runs in the second, three home runs in the first five batters of the game. Acuna obviously leading off the game with a home run. They've already broken their season franchise record this year with five homer games. They now have seven of them this year. Seven times this year, the Braves have hit five or more home runs in a game. We'll obviously talk more about their home run potential and what they have been doing so far this season in the second segment. And they did this against a very good starter in Joe Ryan. And you can point to the fact in June, they've been doing a lot of damage against some uh, lowlier opponents and starting pitching, but Joe Ryan, he was up there in the AL Cy Young conversations for a while uh, and has been a really good pitcher all year long for the twins. And the Braves just absolutely ambushed him in those first two innings. Now, it was quiet after that, but you look at the game and the totality of it, six runs on 10 hits, two walks, and eight strikeouts. That's pretty good, no matter where that production comes throughout the game. I think you'll take that on most nights. And it allowed Snicker to kind of ride with Elder. We'll talk about him more in a minute as he was struggling early. And with that big offensive explosion early, it was so big because you could allow Elder to work through those things and save the bullpen. So, again, the offense doing what it's done all month long, continuing to carry the way. 
and ease the burdens of the starting rotation and the bullpen at times. Now, Ron Acuna Jr. led off the game with a home run, his 29th career leadoff homer, the 12th time he's hit a home run on the first pitch of the game that he's seen, whether in the top half of the inning or the bottom half. It's the first time he's hit a home run on the first pitch that he has seen to lead off a game. A home run in each of the first two innings, I mentioned that, part of those five home runs in the first 10 batters that came to the plate. It seems like every night right now, Ron Acuna Jr. is doing something that hasn't been done before, hasn't been done by by a lot of people in the history of this game. Another one on this night, he and Joe Morgan are now the only players since 1920, which is when RBI became a statistic, to have 50 runs batted in and 35 stolen bases before July. And we still got a couple more days to get to July First multi-homer game of the season, which was kind of surprising. I know he had that barrage of home runs where he was hitting him in consecutive games. I believe it was four games in a row he hit a home run. But first multi-homer game of the season, I would imagine we're going to see a couple more of those. Certainly hope so as he goes uh, to try to complete a 40-40 season, which he's now on pace for 39 home runs and 72 stolen bases on the season he is one home run and five stolen bases away from becoming the first player in mlb history with 20 home runs 40 stolen bases and 50 rbi before the all-star break and he's just one home run away from 20 as i mentioned and he's just five stolen bases away from 40 already has the 50 runs batted in it is just a truly special year if you listen to the postcast with me and grant mccauley that we do just about after every game I don't know what to say about him in those postcasts anymore that we can't already say. I mean, he is, again, outside of the Otani level because of what he does on both sides. He is, in my mind, the best player in the game. And I know there's some debate out there. I see the Luis Arise fans talking about, you know, he's hitting 400. He should win the MVP. We're talking about Acuna having one of the best statistical seasons in the history of the game with what he's doing right now you're talking about somebody who could score 140 runs hit 40 homers steal 50 60 bags and drive in 100 hitting over 300 I I mean it's just absurd to think what he could do if he matches the second half with with what he's done in the first half and it is just a first half of a season but man what a first half it has been and I think this has hopefully reminded a lot of people of who Ronald Acuna Jr. is and why he is still one of the best players in all the game. I think the All-Star voting kind of shows that as well. A lot of people voting for him got the most votes for the All-Star game in the National League. So I think most people are appreciating that now and understanding it where Acuna is. But again, it's every night now. It feels like he's doing something that hasn't been done in a long time or hasn't been done by many people or in some instances has never even been done before. So Really looking forward to seeing what else he has in store the rest of the season. Now, offense was fun, and it was really fun in those first two innings. And like I said, it was really nothing after that. And it looked like early on it might be one of those Cincinnati-type games where Braves might need 10-plus runs to win because Elder was struggling here early. And this turned into the story of the game for me. Again, all the home runs, the offense early was fun, but I was really – impressed encouraged with what i saw from bryce elder and how he battled through this start he ends up going six innings somehow and in the fourth inning i'm thinking 
oh no, we're going to have to go to Michael Tonkin early in this one, and we're going to have to try to piece this thing together. He gets through six innings, only allows four hits, does walk four batters, but gives up just two earned runs, gets four strikeouts. It's only the second time this year he's walked four batters in a game, and interestingly enough, the other time he did that, he only allowed one earned run in that game, over five and a third innings. So uh, he's really pitched around some troubles when he has issued with the walks this year, but that really hasn't been a big problem for him on the season. He now has 21 straight starts of going at least five innings, which may be one of my favorite things about Bryce Elder. When he pitches, you know he's going to give you length. Again, this is a a 21-start stretch now. We are no longer dealing with a small sample size of Bryce Elder, and we're seeing him continually go deep into a game, give you quality outings, give you really good outings for that. Again, I don't know what else to say about him. He's just he he's getting it done at the moment. It's kind of like Acuna, you know, not that we were ever waiting for Acuna to drop off, but I feel like that's been the discussion with Elder. It's when is he going to drop back? When is he going to regress? And in my mind, and when I watch him pitch now, I, I think man, this guy just is really impressive with what he does, how he manipulates the baseball. And again, this was a night where he didn't have it. Uh, again, I didn't think he was going to make it through four innings or it wasn't going to go much further after that. And he was able to figure things out and battle through six innings at under 100 pitches. And what I loved in this one, and I mentioned this on the postcast, is that when he got in trouble in this game, he made some big pitches to get out of it and just like yesterday with Spencer Strider you have to acknowledge that this Twins offense is not one of the best in baseball and they do strike out a lot but you still got to make the pitches you still got to execute and four times in this game I thought he executed really well in big spots to get out of jams he got a, a couple of big double plays one to end the first inning and one to end the sixth inning and then he had a couple of big strikeouts one against Christian Vazquez with uh, Gallo on third after a couple of, of errors with just one out. He got a big strikeout there and stranded that runner at third. And then he got a big strikeout of Carlos Correa after another throw. They got away. I was wrong on Twitter. I was listening on radio. It was not a bad play from Rosario. I, I still say in a 6-1 game, if you're going to make that throw, you better make sure that it gets there and you better make sure he's going to be a dead duck at home plate because otherwise you don't want to give a free 90 feet and allow those runners to move up to second and third. But it should have been if the ball didn't go out, go off Joey Gallo. But that aside, he still got out of that and he still had to face Carlos Correa, who I know is having a down year, but he still made some big pitches to get a strike out there and strand those runners at second and third. That's what really impressed me from Bryce Elder in this outing is he didn't have it, and he was still able to battle through it and go six innings. And when he was in trouble, he made some huge pitches to either get a double play or get a big strikeout to keep the Twins off the board or for to keep them from having a big inning. And I loved that from Bryce Elder in this start. He just continues to impress me each time he goes out there. So love what I saw from Bryce Elder on this night. Talked about the defense a little bit. Four errors in this game. You can maybe go back and look at a couple of those, especially the throwing errors and, you know, debate whether or not they should have been. But the great plays in this game far outweighed whatever blunders they may have made defensively. The play by 
Ozzy in Orlando, just a, a really beautiful play. I love the spin by Arcia. It just it shows you the smarts that he has as a shortstop. You can't catch that flat-footed and just throw it and expect to get the runner out. You got to make that spin there to get that momentum. And it seems like such a simple thing, but again, I hate to keep making comparisons to Von Grissom. I, I don't know that he knows to do that. And I don't know that a lot of other young shortstops or inexperienced shortstops know to do that. And Arcia did, and it gave him that extra momentum to get the runner at first base. Just a beautiful play. The catch by Acuna. But maybe the one I thought might have been the most impressive was the play that Austin Riley made. You talk about the deficiency of Riley's defense, and it said he doesn't have a lot of side-to-side -side movement. Here he goes into foul territory, makes a strong one-hop throw over the Olsen, who made a great stretch to get Buxton, who, again, I know is banged up and probably isn't running at full speed there, but I thought that was really impressive from Austin Riley there. So some great plays by the Braves defense on a night where they made four errors. I thought they made some of the best plays they made all year as well. And the Braves pick up the win. They get a series win, another one in June, which has been a historic month for them, especially on the home run side of things, which we'll talk more about here next. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful, and it's not when you are using Game Time, which is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They have great deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, so you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting excited for all the fun you're going to have. I've used them for both of the Braves games I've been to this year, and it was a great experience, very stress-free, and both times I got tickets last minutes as well, and I got the lowest price, part of the game time guarantee. It means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference get images of your seat before you buy that is a must for me anytime i buy tickets download the game time app create an account and use code to locked on mlb for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code to locked on mlb for 20 dollars off last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Braves will finish up their series with the Twins on Wednesday afternoon at 12.20 p.m. Eastern. We'll see if the Braves can get a sweep of the Twins. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. It is Wednesday, our Wednesday episode on here, so it is our Stat of the Day Wednesday segment. And our stat of today is 54 home runs. That's the number of home runs the Braves have hit in the month of june just in the month of june that's how many home runs the braves have hit a historic pace and really what they're doing the next closest in the month of june is the angels with 38 it is just again it's truly amazing the stats i've thrown at you this week whether it's spencer strider and his whiff rates and what he's doing or these home run totals it is just really incredible what the Braves are able to do as a team, especially hitting home runs, which they do really well and have for many years. Um, you look at you look at the 50, uh, 54 home runs they've hit in the month of June. The Guardians have hit 50 home runs on this season. And they're last, and that's the only team they've hit more, uh, more of than June. But the Nationals, they're at 63. The Tigers are at 70. And you got a couple other teams there in the 70s as well. The Braves have hit 54 in the month of June alone. 
They have 146 home runs on the year. That's obviously most in all of baseball. The Dodgers are second, and they have 20 fewer home runs than the Atlanta Braves on the season. Uh, again, these are just eye-popping, historic-type numbers, what the Braves are doing. They're on pace for almost 300 home runs on the season. Their franchise record is 249, which they set in 2019 when baseballs were just flying out of the yard. It's when they were using those different baseballs, and then all of a sudden they changed them up in the postseason, and Acuna tried to pimp a home run that was gone all season, and then it didn't, wasn't out. Um, but we'll move on from that. And that same year, again, when the baseballs were flying out, the Twins set uh, MLB franchise record hitting 307 home runs on the season. The Braves, again, could potentially get that. They're on pace for 299, that coming from Grant McCauley, uh, who tweeted that out on a Tuesday night. So the Braves, again, on his historic pay pace, they're almost certainly going to break their franchise record from 2019, and they could potentially push that Twins record from 2019 as well with 307. The Braves have more first-inning home runs on the year in 25 or with 25 than the Mets have first-inning runs. That was a stat coming from Jeff Francoeur on the Braves broadcast. They have outscored or they have out-homered opponents 25-3 to in the first inning this season. Again, we talked about this on the postcast, the fact the Braves come out and punch you in the mouth right out of the gate and you know pitchers obviously doing a good job limiting home runs they're giving up in the first inning but you're out homering your opponents 25 to 3 in the first inning that means you're getting off to a lot of good starts and getting out to a lot of early leads in games and i really love the, the depth of this lineup we've talked about it a lot of already this year but they have seven players with double digit home runs already we're not even to the all-star break. They have seven players with double-digit home runs, all of them with 13 or more. That puts all of them in the top 40 in, of MLB in home runs. The Braves have seven players that rank in the top 40 in all of baseball in home runs. Uh, Michael Harris, the second, Rolando Arcia, Travis Darno, they're all within striking distance of 10. The Braves have a real shot at having 10 players with double-digit home runs this season. I don't know if that's ever been done before. Maybe somebody can look that up for me, or maybe when it happens, I'm sure somebody who has the resources to will look that up. But the Braves, again, are not far off from having that once Michael Harris, Orlando Arcee, and Travis Darno likely get there at some point this season. Last year's team had nine players get double digits home runs. So again, Braves have been really good at hitting the long ball for several years now. Last season, they had nine players with double digit home runs. And again, it speaks to the depth of this lineup. It's not an exaggeration to say one through nine can take you deep. Michael Harris, who's batting ninth right now, hit 19 home runs last year and obviously didn't play first couple of months of the season. So this is a team that has 20 home run potential up and down the order. Uh, Travis Darno hit 18 last year. It's just, it makes this lineup so deadly. And that's what you need in the postseason. You need guys up and down a lineup that can change the game with a swing of bat. Yeah, you need guys that can score in different ways. You like offenses and teams that can score in different ways. And you need that in the postseason as well. But in today's game, with the pitching that you see and the arms that you face, 
being able to have one swing and hitters that up and down the lineup can change the game with one swing, I think is so important. And you look at, you know, last year, the Astros, they had eight players in their lineup who had 10 home runs or more. They had so much depth in their lineup that could go deep. The Phillies as well. They had a lot of guys with double-digit home runs. And I just think that's that's what it takes in today's game. And you also need guys that don't strike out a lot. And that's been one of the downfalls of this type of offense over the last several years is that sometimes they'll go in slumps and they're not getting those two three-run homers and they're swinging and missing too much, they've turned that trend around as well. And they're not striking out nearly as much now. They are, uh, it's not a boomer bust lineup. They're 19th in strikeouts. That means they have the 11th fewest strikeouts and they have the 12th most walks. So you're seeing that trend start to turn around for this Braves offense where it's not just boomer bust. They're not striking out as much. A lot of games now, they're striking out less than 10 times a game, which is good for this Braves team because we've seen them strike out a lot of times, more than 10 times a game, and you're seeing them take their walks as well. And now, obviously, you're seeing them take off with a home run ball. But you go back to that 2021 postseason, you think of all the big home runs that were hit, and obviously they stick out to you because home runs are exciting and especially in the moment, but – You look at the Freddie Freeman home run off Josh Hader in the NLDS. You look at the NLCS and Eddie's home run off Bueller. You also had that Jock Peterson home run in the NLDS as well against the Brewers to help change that series. But Eddie's home run off Bueller in the NLCS. A lot of big home runs there in that NLCS. You look at Dansby and Solaire's back-to-back homers that just completely flipped game four, which I have said and contend was the biggest moment of that World Series because the Braves, it looked like we're going to lose that one, even up the series. Who knows what happens back in Houston? I still contend those are those are the two biggest moments in the biggest game of that World Series because Solaire and Dansby with back-to-back home runs, back-to-back at-bats, completely flipped that game and and changed that World Series, in my opinion. And that's what this lineup can do Right now, this version of the Braves lineup and last year's version as well. They just obviously weren't hot going into the postseason, but this year's version up and down, they can change the game with one swing. They are one swing away from changing the outcome of a game, and that's what makes them so dangerous, and that's why I think they will be such a dangerous postseason team when they get there or if they get there. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, even though – Things are looking pretty great at the moment. Uh, This lineup up and down can take you deep, and that is not an exaggeration. And they are on a historic pace right now with what they're doing with the home run ball so far this season. Hopefully they can keep it up in the second half of the year and they can get those bats hot going into the postseason this time around. All right, next we got some news on who will start Wednesday. It's not who we thought it would be. Unfortunately, it will not be Michael Soroka, but it will be Colby Allard looking to help the Braves try and sweep the Minnesota Twins on a Wednesday afternoon. We'll discuss that here next. Expect a lot of roster movement on Wednesday morning. I'm recording this late Tuesday night, but expect a lot of movement on Wednesday morning. They talked about the fact that they'll probably bring up an infielder to replace Chadwick Trump now that Sean Murphy was able to get through a couple of full games. Likely will be either Charlie Culberson, who 
Sounds like is back with the Braves, signed a minor league deal. So great to see him back with the organization and no hard feelings there with what happened on Father's Day. It'll probably either be Culberson or Luke Williams that gets brought up there to serve as the backup infielder. And then the Braves announced, or Brian Snicker announced after the game, probably not his full decision. I'm sure all these decisions are coming from the front office who clearly have a plan and we trust wholeheartedly because look at what they're doing. But Bit of a head-scratcher. They went with Colby Allard to start Wednesday's game, not Michael Soroka like a lot of us thought after he had some good starts there at AAA. And I said, I, I think he still has things he needs to work on there. And perhaps that's the case. They want him to continue to work on those things and go with their original statement that when they bring him up, they want it to be for good. I don't know, to be completely honest with you, and I don't think anybody knows. I, I talked with Grant about it, I talked with others about it, and nobody knows why the Braves make this decision. Only they know, and I know they're very smart people, and again, they have earned all of our trust, but this one is a head-scratcher. Colby Allard coming off the 60-day, which means somebody's going to have to come off a 40-man roster. I'm assuming Derek Rodriguez, who is likely going to get moved down for this one anyway, um, but somebody's going to have to come off the 40-man because Allard's on the 60-day. Uh, so he's going to come off of that to start the game on Wednesday. Hasn't started a big league game since October 1st, 2021. He worked mainly in long relief last year for the Rangers. He had a outing that went five innings, another one four innings. He did that once. Those were his two longest outings of the year. He's made two rehab starts this year. He went four innings and two and two-thirds innings. I can't imagine he's going to go more than four innings on Wednesday, and I think that's if everything just goes perfectly for him that maybe the Braves get four innings out of him. This feels like it's going to be somewhat of a bullpen game. You do have a lot of your big guys rested. Mentor Anderson Iglesias should be well rested and ready to go. I'm sure Joe Jimenez will be in there. You know, Colin Q only got two outs in game one of this series. I'm sure he will be available, but head scratcher. For sure. Uh, you know, not going with Soroka here, who is more stretched out, has already been up this year, is having some success at AAA. Seemed like the obvious choice. But again, Braves front office, they know what they're doing. I'm sure they have a plan. They're not going to share that plan with us, uh, but certainly trust them in the direction that they're going. On the mound for the Twins is Kenta Maeda, just returned from the I.L., uh, this past week through five scoreless against the Tigers with eight strikeouts. So good start for him coming off the IL. You look at his ERA over six and it's a bit inflated one because he's been on the IL since April. So he doesn't have a lot of starts under his belt and he gave up 10 earned runs and a start against the Yankees before going on the IL in April. So don't look at that ERA and think that this is a bad pitcher coming in here. Again, he's coming off five scoreless, been a good pitcher in his career. But he really had one really bad outing this year against the Yankees that has inflated that ERA. But hopefully the Braves offense can get to him on Wednesday because they may need some runs with the Braves going with somewhat of a bullpen game with Colby Allard starting things on a Wednesday afternoon. One more time, the Braves play the Twins on Wednesday at 12.20 p.m. Eastern. It will be Kenta Maeda against Colby Allard. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app, Search Braves. That will do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. Thanks so much for making us your first listen of each and every day. Thank you so much to Too Much Dino, who said he's a daily listener. Dean Wright right there. 
Um, user RV2T uh, says is an everydayer as well and got several other everydayers out there on the podcast and the mentions uh, from YouTube on Monday's episode or Tuesday's episode or rather. So I do appreciate everyone who's let me know that they're an everydayer out there. Continue to do so in the comment section on YouTube. Really appreciate hearing from you there. But again, that will do it. That'll wrap us up here. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Follow me at shortstopball. Also, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 